Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today, just days before her fashion brand's New York Fashion Week show, I sit down with Hanako Maida, CEO and creative director of New York-based ADM and vice president of the brand Foxy. As this year, ADM celebrates its 10th anniversary, I wanted to ask Hanako about the keys to longevity in fashion. I also wanted to get her take on the value of participating in Fashion Week. Why is it all worth it? Welcome, Hanako. Hi, Jill. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so, so much for being here. I mean, before we dig into the roots, the foundation of the business, let's talk Fashion Week. Are you in deep in planning mode? <laughs> yes, I am. Um, I'm so excited to be back in New York because um, I spent... Um, so since our last in-person show was um, in February of 2020... That was right before the lockdowns happened in New York City. So um, I returned back to Tokyo in March of 2020. And I spent most of my time working in Tokyo after that. So um, yeah, so I, I'm really, really excited to be back in New York. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm excited to see this show. Was there any question of whether you would do it again this season? Like why this season? Um, and, and yeah, why is it important? Well, um, as you just um, introduced our brand, uh, we're actually ce- celebrating the 10-year anniversary of ADM. And uh, New York is a really special place for me because um, I was born in Tokyo, but I actually grew up in New York and um, I went to school here. I went to high school in New York City and I also studied art history at Columbia University. So I went to college here as well. And it's always been my dream to show at New York Fashion Week. And um, I first um, presented at New York Fashion Week in 2013, and that was our first presentation. And um, I have showed consistently at New York um, ever since then. And I haven't been able to do any physical shows for almost three years now. And when I was thinking about how we can celebrate the 10 year anniversary of the brand, um, it first came to mind that I wanted to return to New York Fashion Week. Yay. Well, yay. Uh, <laughs> yay. Hey, do you always do a show or do you kind of bounce between presentation or a runway? I mean, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I did presentations for like the first um, year and a half of the brand. And then um, our first show was for fall 2014. And ever since then, we've um, done runway shows. And I know that a lot of people kind of debate between doing a presentation format and doing a runway show. And I think both styles have its um, perks and also its difficulties. But I personally enjoy doing a runway show because you can really curate the experience And I feel like um, it's such a special experience to share this like 10 minutes or 15 minutes of everyone being in the room and being focused on the collection and enjoying the ambience together. So, um, yeah, so I really do enjoy showing in the runway format. Yes. And this is going to be spring 2023. Are you um, buying into the see now, buy now idea at all? Um, I think the see now, buy now idea definitely has its um, positive signs. Um, personally, um, I like showing in this format because um, so 
Adium is more of a, a designer price point. We sit in the um, entry-level designer price point. So I think it's nice to introduce the collection earlier to our customers and then they have a little bit more time to think which pieces that they, they're really gravitating towards. And um, I think in terms of like luxury fashion and more of like the designer price point um, lines, I think it's important for the uh, customers to kind of get used to um, your new collection and really having time to think and decide what they want to um, shop and buy in the new season. Yeah. What did you do on these seasons away from New York Fashion Week, away from a live show? Did you turn to Instagram? Did you do a video? Mm-hmm. So uh, we actually did a digital show. So we were um, still on the New York Fashion Week calendar, but um, I created um, digital shows in Japan and we recorded everything. And then um, everything was live streamed on our social media and then also um, our website, adium.com. Yes. Tell me the result of that. What did you see? I'm sure it, you don't see the buzz maybe that you mm-hmm. see in a live show. Tell me about mm-hmm. the contrast. Are, are both formats important uh, moving forward, I guess? Yeah, I think there are definitely, in terms of uh, as a creative outlet, I think digital shows has its uh, positivities because you can do a lot more creatively and everything is recorded. So um, for spring 2022, um I actually created a virtual island and um, all of the we shot all of the models on a green background and then we were able to create this idea of like um, a virtual space. So something like that wouldn't have been able to happen if it wasn't a pre-recorded digital format. So I think there are more things that you can do in that way. But um, I also do think in-person shows has its ups in terms of um, sharing a space together and uh, being in a room together with uh, a group of people at the same time and um, sharing that experience together is um, a very special moment as well. So I think there are uh, things that you can do in both formats. And I think uh, in this day and age, um, you can really pick and choose in terms of your inspiration and what you would like to do that season. Definitely. Well, that's interesting that you've always been on the Fashion Week calendar, even on those those seasons where you weren't um, in, in real life. Um, talk to me about, you mentioned the importance of being kind of together with the other designers and, and in the venues and such. Um, in terms of like even the CFDA or playing into the kind of the traditional um, fashion, I guess, I don't know, industry um and and not not maybe doing an independent show outside of the calendar and um yes how important is it to have that support for a brand even 10 years in um i think it's i think the cfda they offer a lot of great resources and um it's great that you can have mentors um who are designers that are a lot more experienced than you or um the CFDA itself, they have a lot of people that you can speak to. Um, I think it's also great to be independent as well um, and show on your own timeline. And um, I don't think you necessarily have to show on the calendar, but I guess 
personally, because uh, my business is split between Japan and also the U.S., I think it's nice to have those resources in terms of um, understanding the U.S. market more and um, the U.S. business more. Um, I think it was definitely also helpful for me um, when I was starting out 10 years ago when I didn't know as many people or I didn't have as many personal resources or people that I can speak to. Um, so yeah, I think for younger designers, I think it's definitely helpful to be a part of uh, this sort of like uh, collective system and ha being able to speak with um, other creatives, not just designers, but also um, other um, people in terms of like um, factories or uh, textile companies or like just the kind of uh, vast amount of resources that the CFDA offers. Yeah. Did you feel like coming in back 10 years ago, uh, and we'll dig into your roots again, but um, that it was kind of a friendly place, um, the fashion industry for an emerging designer. Did you feel like there was a struggle to get seen, to get um, to get any attention whatsoever? I personally think New York is great in that it really welcomes diversity and um I, not just myself, but I've seen a lot of people come from outside of New York. Um, and there are also like a lot of international designers. And I think uh, the CFDA and also the New York fashion industry itself, I think it really celebrates this idea of um, diversity and being international and welcoming people from like different walks of life. Um, so in that way, I think... The U.S. and New York as a city is definitely more open than um, where I come from, Asia, and also I think Europe as well, because uh, it's it has this idea of like really like welcoming a lot of different people and people from different parts of the world. But yeah, I think when I started out 10 years ago, there were a lot more younger designers and a lot more designers wanting to go into the fashion industry. So I think there was more competition, but I think it's also healthy to have this idea, not necessarily competition, but I think it's nice to have um, a lot of creative, young creative talent around you because it's uh, very inspiring and it also really pushes you to be better. For sure. I know that you have, um, you know, another business, Foxy, that's based um, in Tokyo. And your flagship for ADM is in Tokyo as well. Um, what? Where is your customer? Is your Do you have a large uh, customer base, maybe 50% in the US or more? Or wh how, what's the breakdown there? I would say right now, uh, it's like 60% Japan and then 40% in the US. I think... Pre-pandemic, it was more closer to like 50-50. But um, I guess like after the pandemic um, in Asia, Asia wasn't as hit financially in terms of like the economy and also the business in comparison to like other parts of the world. So our ADM business doubled since 2020 um, in Japan. So that's why the proportion of... Um, the ADM business in Japan is greater now than in the U.S., but I think um, 
being in the U.S. and also showing a New York Fashion Week gives you new opportunities, not just for the U.S. market, for but for the international market, because a lot of buyers and also editors, um, not just from the U.S., but also from Europe and the Middle East and like different parts of the world come to New York Fashion Week. So in that way, I think you get a lot of exposure. And I also think coming out of the pandemic now, there's going to be a lot more opportunities in terms of expansion for the brand. So I'm really excited about that as well. Yeah, I mean, it is exciting. Tell me about that growth that you saw in Japan. Did that have to do with um, like having feet on the ground? I think that is your, am I correct that there's kind of vertical integration, their production maybe have been happening there? Was it all about access? Yeah, so uh, so in Japan, um, so we're both Foxy and Adium were a family business. Um, my parents started Foxy forty five years ago, and um, we've always produced everything in Japan, and um, all most of our textiles um, are from Japan as well. We also use um, some European textiles, but um, all of the production is done in Japan. So. I think in that way, we were able to use a lot of those resources, which I don't think a lot of young designers have the access to. So in that way, I feel very grateful and I feel that I am very lucky in that sense. Um, and also, uh, so at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, we actually launched a new collaboration and it was um, our first big collaboration for the brand. Uh, we did a collaboration with... Uh, international tennis player Naomi Osaka. So I think that definitely put ADM on um, the radar for a lot of people that didn't know the brand. Um, and Naomi has a huge following globally, but she also has a huge fandom in Japan. So um, I think that was definitely kind of like the starting point. And then we were also able to launch our e-commerce site um, the same year um, in the fall of 2020. So we launched the our e-commerce business with the ADM Naomi Osaka collaboration, which definitely helped with um, the business. And then we also uh, launched a new line last year uh, called ADM Ichi, which is our gender neutral collection. And uh, this collection is unique in that uh, it's gender neutral, so it could it can work for um, people that identify with. Uh, different genders and also like different ways of dressing. And also the price point is a little bit uh, more accessible than the ADM main collection. So um, the ADM Ishii collection was uh, hugely successful in Japan. And I think it's because um, a lot of younger people in Japan, uh, the Gen Z and even the younger generation than that, um, they're really comfortable with the idea of um, really like not abiding with your gender when it comes to like fashion and also like beauty. And like, I think a lot of people feel comfortable and experimenting with different brands and different ways of dressing. So yeah, so I think with these like new collaborations and new capsule collections and um, new ideas that we've introduced, uh, during the pandemic, uh, really worked with uh, the Japanese market and also the larger Asian market as a whole. 
That's great. Tell me about the the learnings from the Naomi Osaka collaboration. Was that a first time collaboration or maybe a first time big name collaboration? Um, and will will there be more? Yeah, so um, it was actually our very first collaboration, and um, it was also the first collaboration, first fashion collaboration for Naomi as well. So um, it was really exciting for the both of us, and uh, we were designing the collection pre-pandemic, so um, we got to have Naomi in the studio, and we were really working on everything hands-on, and then uh, we created the February 2020 show together. So we got to experience Fashion Week together as well. So that was um, a really unique, amazing experience. Um, and then actually this year, um, we did a collaboration with Carolyn Murphy. And um, this collaboration was really unique because the collection was 100% sustainable and we used sustainable fabrics. So we used fabrics uh, made from like organic cotton or fabrics that are biodegradable and go back into the soil after the clothing has kind of like met its like cycle and lifetime. So it's really exciting to work with these different talents. And um, I think it's also in terms of our collaboration with Naomi, it was really exciting because um, she's she doesn't work within the fashion industry. So it's someone that uh, has an expertise in a different area than fashion. And that was super inspiring for me. So um, I'd love to continue to have these collaborations. And I think it's it also inspires me to create um, different things for our main collection as well. Oh my gosh. I love that you featured Carolyn Murphy. P.S. She's been a a guest on the Glossy Podcast, and your imagery was just oh, so amazing. beautiful. Yeah, um, it, your it looked beautiful. Did um, it's funny. It's like you you did your first couple of collaborations. Your your e commerce. Mm-hmm. Your anyway. It seems mm-hmm. like the pandemic was a very creative, productive <laughs> time for you. Did you have just maybe have more time to to really like focus and push out some projects that were uh, maybe on your brain or in the works? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I just had more time to focus on the brand and uh, I guess like my creative work as well because um, I feel like pre-pandemic we were doing a lot of events and we also uh, made a lot of like customs for red carpet and we had a lot of uh, things that we were taking care of for the business uh, that kind of didn't happen during the pandemic. So I could really focus on the creative side of the brand, which was really helpful for me. And um, yeah, and our collaboration with Carolyn Murphy. um, So we started speaking with Carolyn um, in 2021 and it was like at the height of the pandemic. So everything was done remotely and um, we were exchanging ideas and I was sending her sketches and um, everything was done uh, digitally or by Zoom. We did a lot of fittings via Zoom, but um, I think it was a great experience to kind of see the limits of um, digital communication and speaking remotely. But um, it was also like a fun challenge because even though she was, she's based in LA and she was, um, we started speaking when LA was under a lockdown, but, um, yeah, it was a great way to see how much you can get done, even though we were on the other sides of the planet and we were, I was in Tokyo and she was in LA, but we were able to get this collection done together. So, um, 
Yeah, it really shows that you can be creative with um, how you're creating the collections and the design process can be something that's um, more through like these digital communications, not just like um, an in-person communication. For sure. It's so interesting. Also, eight years in 2020, I believe you said that that was your first um, time launching e-commerce. Tell me, um, it's not quite as surprising when you consider, like you you said, your luxury positioning. And um, it's typically been maybe a more exclusive or what was the holdout and, and why, um, why pull the trigger in 2020? So we were actually um, preparing our e-commerce site for a long time. I think we started discussing at the end of like 2018, maybe the beginning of 2019. And uh, we didn't really think that um, this pandemic was going to happen, but the timing came out to be so that it kind of coincided with the pandemic. Um, And so we didn't really focus on our e-commerce site because um, mainly because of our price point. And I think it's important at that price point to be able to try on things and um, to be able to see pieces um, in person. And um, the brand was not as well known. So I feel like a lot of our customers didn't know our fit or like, you know, how um, how the fabrics fell or how the pieces actually worked when it was like styled into their wardrobe. But um, eight years into the brand, um, now that we have, uh, so we have three uh, re- physical retail locations in Japan, um, at, in Roppongi at Tokyo Midtown um, is our flagship store. And then we also have a store inside um, Isetan in Shinjuku. And then we also have um, a store in Ginza. And then we also sell to over um, 20 retail locations throughout the world. Um, in the U.S., we sell to Neiman Marcus and Bergdorf Goodman and also Intermix. So I think now that we have all of these retail locations like throughout the world, uh, I felt that a lot of our customers... Uh, they were able to kind of learn more about the brand and what kind of fabrics we use. And the and um, I think there's a level of trust in terms of the quality and we produce everything in Japan. So um, there's that idea of like Japanese craftsmanship. So I felt like we were ready to go into this like DDC um, format and um people had more trust in terms of the quality and the fit of um, the brand. Yes. Well, who still makes sense as a retail partner for you? Those those names you listed, it kind of seems like maybe it's about people, brands, retailers that care as much, maybe or put as much thought into um, quality and maybe there's some sort of a brand alignment Um I guess, cue that that's making you go there. But yeah, what what about Bergdorf? What about, I think you said Neiman? Yeah, so, um, I mean, in terms of Bergdorf Goodman, um, because I grew up in New York, Bergdorf was um, a place that I always wanted to be when I started the brand. And um, I also have a personal relationship with um, Linda Fargo, and she's really been a mentor and... Um, She's really seen the brand throughout. And um, I think she introduced the brand into the store when we were ready. So I feel like the communication there was, uh, it feels very personal. And um, 
I also feel like um, it's such an honor to be at BG um, as a designer. So um, I really think I'm really thankful for that. And um, I think in terms of um, Neiman Marcus, we also have a similar relationship. All of the buyers, um, they come to our showroom in person and we really have this like personal connection with uh, Neiman's as well. And um, in terms of we're in 12, uh, 12 locations uh, for Neiman Marcus. And I think those stores, um, they really thought about which stores would be right for us. And uh, I think in terms of like our retail partners and who we're with, I think it's important to build this personal relationship. And because we're such a uh, small independent brand, um, I think it's important to have those like eyes on you and really work with people that can uh, have this like discussion and uh, sort of like a personal relationship together. For sure. Well, talk to me about being a small independent brand. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about your, maybe if you're profitable or your sales, the growth you've seen to date 10 years in? Yeah, so um, thankfully we're profitable now. Um, I think it helps that we have this like direct-to-consumer retail business, um, mainly based in Japan now, and then also our e-commerce site. Um, And I think the key is to like really know your customer and um, not to expand the brand in a way that feels um, too fast or... um, too quick. And I think we've really grown in like an organic way, which is nice. Um, And I think the fact that we chose to show in New York and uh, in a place where a lot of it, I feel like New York Fashion Week really values this idea of creating brands that um, are going to become profitable and that can become a sustainable business. So um, I think in that way, that was super helpful as well. Yes. Well, since you, uh, you mentioned fashion week again, and that is such a marketing opportunity and obviously collaborations that make for a great opportunity to kind of, um, spread the word about ADM, but, um, yeah, how else are you marketing? Where are you putting your, your marketing budget these days? So since um, we've launched our e-commerce site, digital marketing has played a huge role in terms of like where we're putting our marketing dollars. Um, We also have started to build uh, relationships with um, influencers. So um, in terms of doing these like one-off posts, um, we've started to, it's not strictly like an ambassadorship, but we've started to build these like personal relationships with um, specific um, influencers. Um, we also work a lot with um, stylists. So um, we work with stylists both based in uh, LA and also New York and then also um, Tokyo as well. Um, yeah, so it's like a mix of like VIP influencer and then also digital marketing. Okay, great. Well, I want to circle back a bit. Well, you're you're also VP at Foxy. How are you splitting your time these days between <laughs> between your two <laughs> worlds? That's a lot. Yeah, I think I think one job, one position sort of like feeds into the other because um so for Foxy, I'm the VP and I'm also the design director. So I oversee all of the design for the various collections of Foxy. Um, and then 
I'm also overseeing PR for both um, ADM and Foxy. So I think even though that sounds like in a lot, that's a lot of different positions and um, a lot of different hats. Um, I think it's helpful to for me personally to do um, different things at the same time because I feel like one thing that may seem like it's not related at all to an, a different project actually ends up being um, connected to a different idea. And I feel like one thing kind of sort of like feeds into the other and it really it's really inspirational inspirational for me to like work on these like multiple things together at the same time so um yeah and then I think the other thing is that uh the aesthetic of Foxy and Adium are very different and Foxy um is a business that's really rooted in Japan and it's it's not sold outside of Japan it's really um the focus is on the Japanese market whereas Adium has this more of like a global international sensibility so because the two brands are very different in terms of like both like positioning and marketing um and also in terms of like the design aesthetic i think it's helpful to work on these different projects at the same time for sure is your team tell me about your team um in new york is it is it a lean team and is there kind of some cross uh using some resources sharing resources between the two brands mm-hmm. So um, for ADM, for, for actually both um, ADM and Foxy, we have um, teams, people in uh, New York and then also uh, people based in Tokyo as well. Um, but yeah, I think our New York team is definitely lean. And I think a lot of, I'm, I feel very fortunate that everyone on our New York team is willing to wear different hats um, and I think especially like after the pandemic, we've had, I think we've all had to kind of like juggle like different responsibilities and um, things that we may have not done before um, in our previous positions. But um, yeah, I think everyone is like really willing to like be hands-on and take on different responsibilities. So, um, and like also I think it's helpful that there's a lot of like communication between our Tokyo and New York teams. So um, yeah, I think I just feel very fortunate that I've had incredible um, people working for both teams. That's awesome. What would you what advice would you give to a, an emerging designer, maybe somebody one year in that that's feeling the struggle about about making a go of it, making it to to a 10 year mark? Um, I think for me personally, when I started out, I would always like compare myself to people that had bigger businesses or people that were more um, established or well known. But I think now in retrospect, I think it's always important to like focus on yourself and focus on like what you can do and what you can uh, provide and uh, what unique viewpoint that um, you can kind of contribute to the fashion industry and like the fashion conversation as a whole. So I think uh, I think the one advice that I would give is not to compare yourself to um, other designers. I like that. And I said designer, but like you are doing, you're also the CEO, like you're, you're, you're the brains behind the creative and the business. Um, tell me about kind of also balancing that and, and soon as you grow, like, are you looking to, 
to um, hire maybe a, a fellow C-suite partner or maybe, um, yeah, maybe take in funding to push it to another level or, or any big leaps there? Um, I guess for now, because um, I think I've learned like most of like how to run a fashion business from my family. And uh, we've always been a family business in Japan. So for now, and um, I think their philosophy has always been like slow and steady wins the race. So uh, yeah, so I really take that from them. And I think it's important to kind of like have like a slow and steady growth. So I'm not thinking of anything um, too crazy right now. But um, yeah, I think definitely like in the future, if there's an opportunity, I would like to kind of see what would be the best for ADM and um, ADM's growth. I think that's smart. Do you, um, for 2023 or um, what are your aspirations for or your goals for the next year plus? I mean, are there further global aspirations beyond kind of your two um, main focuses or, or what else? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this year um, with our Carolyn Murphy collaboration, we actually did a pop-up store on Madison Avenue and um, that was such a fun experience. So um, in the next few years, probably not next year, because as you know, construction in New York City takes a long time. And yeah, it's really crazy to <laughs> um, build a store from scratch. But um, I would love to open a store in New York City um, and open an ADM flagship. I think that's my uh, most immediate goal. Um, and yeah, like definitely I would love to grow the brand more um, in other parts of Asia, like um, in China and Korea and um, different parts of Asia. And then also uh, within Europe and like the Middle East as well. Yes. What would your store look like um, in terms of like more than just a, a point of sale? Um, any Would it be smaller? Would it, How would it showcase the brand? Are any visions there? Yeah, I think I would like um, for the ADM store in New York to feel very intimate and then also like bring a touch of Japan and like my Japanese heritage because I feel like um, that's something that's very unique to ADM and um, for a lot of my collections um, I've drawn my inspirations from traditional Japanese culture so um, yeah so I think those two things are very important in terms of um, creating the store and what I would like the store to represent. Yeah. Well, also, you had this amazing category expansion. Like you said, this more um, sustainability incorporated, more your gender. I, I don't know if you use the term gender ne- gender neutral. Um, but yeah, um, in terms of like men's or children's, anything else uh, you're looking at there? Um, right now, I feel like um, our new categories that we've introduced in the past year, I would still like to focus on growing those. And um, ADM Ichi, our gender neutral collection is very important to me because, um, I think it allows for more people to enjoy ADM and more people to wear ADM, uh, both in terms of the aesthetic, but also in terms of the price point. So, uh, that's really where my focus is right now. Uh, but yeah, I would love to explore, um, out other categories as well. I actually have, um, two dogs in, um, my home in Tokyo. So I would love to explore like, um, I don't know, like accessories or like something regarding like maybe like dogs and cats. Um, but yeah, right now 
I think my focus is on the main collection and then also the ADM Ichi collection. Oh my gosh, Hanukkah. Have you been creeping on the glossy Slack channel? Because we are talking lately nonstop about these adorable designer pet, I don't know, fashions. <laughs> it's such a hot area. I think that's great. Yeah, I think. And I think it would be nice to like explore some because personally, like uh, for my uh, two dogs that I have in Tokyo, like they never like wearing anything. And like, that's understandable because, you know, they're not, <laughs> I feel like they're not used to like wearing stuff. But I think it would be nice if I could make comfortable clothing for dogs that they feel comfortable in because I feel like a lot of the times it's for like the enjoyment of like their families and it's not like for themselves. <laughs> but, <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that would be nice to explore like fabrics that wouldn't like be uncomfortable for dogs or like designs that like they would feel comfortable in like kind of like playing around in. So yeah, I think yeah. that would be an interesting category to explore. I love that. Well, I will be seeing you soon. So, so excited if there's a you yes. shared a little bit about your show. Any other teasers you'd want to drop in here? <laughs> Please. Yeah, yeah. So um actually this season, because it's a huge celebration um of our 10-year anniversary, um, I wanted the um show itself to be a celebration. So um the inspiration is Matsuri, which is um a Japanese it's um so summertime festivals in Japan are called Matsuri. And um, it's inspired by summer festivals in Japan. So I think the collection will be like fun and also um, the atmosphere and the music. And I think everything combined will just feel like a big celebration. Well, I will come ready to party. <laughs> Hanukkah, <Great>. thank <laughs> you. Thank you so, so much for being here. At this short notice or this late in the game before the show, thanks for making time for us. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun talking with you. You as well. Thank you. Thank you. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast. <laughs>